0: Hi everyone! Thanks for calling. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of Edwards Review. Oh man! Ah, oh, time flies when uh, you're not paying attention. So, okay, let's uh, let's get it toned down for a while. I know that today of all days is like the 23rd of October. Oh wow! 23rd. Oh, okay. So. For the 23rd of October, uh, I believe we can just try to do something totally different now. And this is like near dear. I kind of had this pre-thought out on this one. So, everyone is like, you know, researching, doing their own thing. Me, uh, I tend to remember, sorry. I tend to remember a few things that like brought my attention to the genre of Classic horror, if you will. Sorry for the noisy. Just like trying to do something real quick. So, okay. Now, here's the thing everyone has their beginning parts. Uh, some people start with the 80s, some people start with the 70s. Me? I wish I started any of those decades, but no, I started with the very classic, the very first uh, horror, if you will, and the reason why I'm saying classic is because I was introduced to the genre for the uh, 1930s, 1940s, style of uh, horror films, so basically black and white. (laughs) Would you believe it? Yeah, would I. So... To start off, of course, this is going to take a very, very, very long episode, so I'm going to break it up into two parts. Here's part one of the classic Universal Monsters, and these are the ones I've gotten introduced to. So, to uh, kind of break it up in a way... I'm going to start with the first three main people. Three main monsters that I've been introduced when I was young. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Bela Lugosi, uh, Long Chaney Jr., um, Boris Karloff. Uh, th- 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 those three were like the, the classic like head honchos in a way for me. So, And if you're wondering like, which one represents which one... So, okay, here it is. Bela Lugosi represent Dracula. And that's how I understood vampires a little. Then, um, Long Chaney Jr. represents the Wolfman. And even so, that that to me was a little story that I even kind of chuckled in my head. Because it's like, you know, a werewolf. And Boris Karloff, uh, uh, now this is a miscrewed thing, so uh, I'll explain it further in this part of it. But Borla, uh Karloff uh, represents Frankenstein's monster, and I will explain it in this first part. So of course, as many uh, treasure trove horror fans have started, we will go with the vampires. <laughs> so uh, when I seen Dracula. I'm just assuming that blah, 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 or sh- with the whole hissing fangs and drink, ya blah, 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 la. No. Uh, the representation of Dracula by Lugosi was a charming yet frightening person to have in a room. It's like, literally, you would like him in the room, but you don't want him near you in the room, you know? So, of course, uh, that movie starts off with, you know... Uh, an out-of-towner uh, comes in, uh, and trying to get to the castle as soon as possible. Uh, of course, uh, this person happens to be a uh, an accountant, if you will, and he's trying to make sure that the paperwork that's been drawn up by this individual uh, to purchase a uh, property uh, in location in London. That would have been uh, prime for him to relocate from Transylvania. I know, uh, ha, ha, the name alone escapes it. But even so, uh, this person wants to uh, leave his humble abode to travel afar, if you will, and that person being Dracula, or Dracula, if you will. So of course, uh, him being a count and all, he. Uh, entice the person who's with him by seeing what he thinks we, when it does upon further investigation of course we are muted with uh, Mina uh, the accountant's fiance believe it or not, if you will and then there is uh, I think Nina wow there's a lot a <laughs> lot of Nias but um it's uh no Mina and Lucy yeah there you go that almost forgot that the for first split second but even so um Mina didn't really you know understand what's going on why is her fiancé not coming home right away and Lucy's like listen up you know, you'll be fine and all that have a party and all that and, and sure enough uh the person who shows up at the party was ironically Dracula However, uh, upon meeting Dracula, we also met a famous doctor, if you will. Uh, this person happens to be Dr. Van Helsing. Abraham Van Helsing, to be exact. And of course, you know how those low lore is, you know, haha, vampire hunter, nah, haha. So, to dumb it short, of course, that Dracula entice Lucy didn't entice Mina but before he even captured Mina's soul in a way Van Helsen kind of put a abrupt stop to capturing and make sure that nothing further happens uh, to the fate of what happened to Lucy which Lucy uh, unalive in some segment of the uh, film and of course, you know we're mated with. Okay, yeah, we have a fight and everything, and sure enough, um, good guy wins. Now, do forgive me because um, Dracula sometimes make me uh, weepy. Even so, it was a long narrative and exposition, which understand, understandably, when I was young, I would fall asleep to any long explanation. However, as a filmmaker, film reviewer, uh, the plot thickens, if you will, uh, that, you know, a lot of exposition brings too much of the story. But again, it will put you sleep. But I would recommend this to uh, any film person who are interested of watching this particular first vampire film, unless you count Nosferatu. Then I would recommend the second time for this film because Nosuratu also a black and white silent film would get pretty uh, reflective on Dracula alright I spend too much time on vampires how about werewolves werewolves (laughs) oh wow So, of course, uh, in this film, uh, we are introduced to Lon Chaney Jr., uh, being the man of many faces, but he's also the man behind the wolf, so to speak. And, of course, uh, we cannot forget that in the scene where the curse has been shown, and you can actually literally see that this person is literally cursed, um... we are introduced again with Bella Lugosi being the gypsy who is curse of the vampire uh, with the werewolf uh, curse. So, of course, um, on Jamie Jr.'s uh, character and uh, I believe his gal pal because I think they were just friends, uh, love interest, if you will. Uh, goes out and uh, join a party uh, notice then a band of gypsy so to speak uh, that they're enjoying like this crowd and all that and she wanted to have her palm read uh, certainly of course uh, by Bela Gosi as yes, the gypsy uh, starts noticing that there was a pattern a pentagram if you will and it kind of spooks him a little and then he shows a pentagram of his own on his forehead Luck behold, uh, there was a full moon that night, and we are introduced with Long Jr. fighting the wolf, uh, defending his love, but in the process also get fatally wounded. Upon the next day, however, uh, he noticed that his wounds have healed like miraculously, and he feels much better. Until later that night, where he starts feeling weird and tired and weepy and fangy. Yeah, you get what I'm getting with fangy. So, of course, um, this one uh, he is literally been notified by uh, this gypsy's mother. It was another gypsy. And she explains that this curse is a curse. For whoever is damned, then you must be. Yeah, there is a way to get rid of it, but you're not gonna like the outcome, because you must pass away. Uh, yeah. So apparently, of course, uh, the only thing that was the only thing that would stop him is silver. Uh, which is a wonderful replica of the cane that he used inside the film, which is a uh, wolf's head. Uh silver pewter if you will and of course uh we were introduced with the makeup and the design of how this person looks as a werewolf if you will now forget about the cgi forget about the uh you know prosthetic effects and all that this was like the time dilation part where it takes Hours of each scene and each scene transits to another part and other things. Whereas he becomes hairy and toothy and more toothy and more hairy. And, um, upon the end of the film, he is slain, of course. Uh, not all monster movies survive towards the end that much. I know, Uh, (laughs) spoilish. But, um, yeah, um, he is slain by this friend who kills him, or unalive him, gotta make sure I'm saying unalive, uh, unalive him with his own cane, uh, but in the process, uh, he's also, like, not too wounded, but scratched up, so, hey, there is, like, a small percentage of a possibility of a sequel, yeah. Which uh, leads us to the third one, which is the Karloff version. Now, this one was so debative and so thought out. Uh, I just want you guys to know I have an understanding with that. Alright, so Victor Frankenstein, Dr. Victor Frankenstein created a monster. This entitles as the monster being Franken- Frankenstein's monster and not Frankenstein. Alright? Some people have that misconstrued that the monster is Frankenstein. That may be true, but he was created by Frankenstein. He wasn't, you know, bundle of joy, haha! No, he was made by Frankenstein. So, ergo, it's Frankenstein's monster. And not Frankenstein. But isn't he part of a family? Yes. So is his body parts too. So you got to keep that in mind. But. I mean. Don't get me wrong. It is. An easily debatable. Debate on rather to call the monster. Literally either Frankenstein. Or Frankenstein's monster. But. Um, and an aspect uh, for continuity's sake and all that. Simply put, yes, it's Frankenstein. It's literally the monster creating the monster, if you will. So this is a... I I don't really want to put it out there because it's like a psychological thing, but it's a Freudian thing that a man creates another man and thinks that he's God, And on that note, of course, uh, in that film, we are actually introduced to a uh, to a old-style uh, Victorian-style talk, I believe, or at least maybe this is a different aspect. I don't know. And this is an introduction to uh, tonight. You will witness the birth and yada 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 or it's basically something totally different. Either way, I remember several different black and white versions of this one. So it's not, it's not, you know, the same when you watch one, but there's might be some changes in a Mandela effect point of view. So, of course, one film shows an introduction of what could man do to an introduction that Mary Shelley, uh, Explains why and how was this story of hers comes to life and then of course we are introduced to (laughs) Dr. Victor Frankenstein who's like having this conniption fit and like going around doing studies and all that but until uh, middle of the night where he's literally in a graveyard and he's digging up bodies which is very odd just saying And of course he sends out his uh, faithful companion and psychic Igor, or Igor, or Gore to be exact, (laughs) to retrieve a brain from the university. Now, this, uh, in my own book, if I have to say so myself, um, if I'm writing a comedy, and you're basically telling someone to get something... And he does something along the way upon not only retrieve it, but stupidly did something on the way back with it. That in itself is like a little bit of gold right there, if you will. So, of course, um, he grabs the achieved brain. But with uh, a spook or a flash, he gets frightened and accidentally drops the jar luck would have it there was another jar that was next to it but he didn't read the label real quick until we the audience looked a little too closer and noticed that it's an abnormal brain now you, you see what there's a little reference there yeah yeah so of course uh victor didn't know at the time while putting this brain in or installing it in his uh new Monza. Uh, He does the whole procedure without realizing that hey we did something totally different and not where I expected to go in this experiment. So of course uh, the monster lives. There is a moment of insanity for Victor. And You know, it's a misconstrued notion that this monster had a comprehension of an adult, but it's more likely a uh, child's brain. Because literally this monstrosity, if you will, is basically relearning the basics and understanding very little of what's going on. And there's always a misconstrued that there is a possibility that this person thinks that this brain knows a lot of things. So, of course, you question Igor, Igor, what brain did I put this body in? And, of course, he's like, "Uh, it was another jar, master. And, you know, as far as I know, there was a lot of reference between young Frankenstein and Frankenstein. But of course, you know, uh, there's a chance that he didn't like his living space, thanks to Igor. And he's being chased out of the out of the castle. Out of Frankenstein's laboratory of all things. And, of course, the monster is doing god knows what. Of course, in this film, uh, we are seeing that the child gets lifted. And get thrown in the pond by accident and this monster doesn't know what, what was going on he just not assume that this was gonna happen and of course you know villagers are getting angry they're getting frustrated they're getting feared and Frankenstein somehow humbled himself to a blind old hermit who lives alone by himself and he doesn't really realize that this person that he's talking to is literally a monster, so to speak. So, of course, you know, chaos ensues, and a lot of things happen, and towards the end of it, uh, we are noticing that Frankenstein had been trapped in a windmill that was going up in flames. And by doing so, that kind of, like, close the deal for Frankenstein's monster to be unalive. Uh, again, <laughs> which brought us to the very end of that one. However, that didn't explain why a sequel was in order. For this is not the last time we will see the monster, because he asked Frankenstein to build him a companion. A companion nonetheless by the way is his fiance Victor's Frankenstein uh, Victor's fiance of all things is attuned to this monstrosity part of the life that has been fractured and all that which brought us to Bride of Frankenstein and that story sometimes escapes me because this is a this is one huge like one gap story to another gap story that I feel that we're going to hold right there because those are the main 3 that I know of next to one of their sequels and don't get me wrong uh, Wolfman and Dracula does have their own own sequels too but not the way you want it to know. Because in the second film, according to you know what I kind of read, Dracula had a daughter. And she is as bloodthirsty as her father was in that film. And the sequel to The Wolfman was Wolfman in London which was another person who has been cursed with the werewolfism or lycanthrope uh, syndrome that occurred with uh, the first one. And it's in London. And this is supposed to be like a setup of Jack the Ripper and how the stylized of that one is. So I'm going to end this episode for the time being. The next one will have the other three characters that i did not mention but there was a there there a little time difference on that one so uh again i do thank you for listening uh to this uh podcast i greatly appreciate it uh i'm still trying to figure out what i'm gonna do uh after the month of spooky season ends so um I do greatly appreciate you guys are listening. So thank you once more. Uh, Tomorrow's episode will continue on from this one with the other three characters that I haven't mentioned but will mention in the long run. So until then, you guys have a good one. Take care. Bye. Hey guys, I want to thank you for uh, listening uh, to my podcast. I'm also known to be over at not only Spotify, but as well as, oh wow, I'm also on Spotify, Breaker, uh, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts and public, uh, radio public. So yeah, if you guys, uh, want to keep on listening, uh, besides me covering certain stories, uh, just shoot me a message on my review page, uh, over at anchor.fm slash, uh, four slash Edward dash Castro five. That is, uh, C-A-S-T-R-O. And as a joke, no relation.